If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello. Hello. Oh. <laughs> wow. Difference in energy there. Yes, but... <laughs> difference in uh, uh, timbre, timbre, which, which one is it? I, I don't know. I don't know, Dave. You've started with don't a real curly one. <laughs> well, before we get into the question that kicks off this episode, we can tell you that uh, we are hitting the road all the way to St Kilda at the Palais Theatre this uh, year in November. We've got the uh, upcoming Great Australian Podcast Festival. We're on November 6th. It's a Saturday night. Fantastic Palais Theatre. Tickets are on sale now. And they're ticking along in the description of this episode if you want to find the link. Quick fun fact about St Kilda. The team who was originally based there and still called St Kilda the Saints, uh, they won their one and only VFL AFL Premiership in 1966. Wow. Another fun fact is I'm going to be taping a live stand-up comedy show at the Stupid Old Studios on July the 29th, and I would love you, listener, to be there. If you're in Melbourne or you can get to Melbourne, it'd be so cool to have you there. Uh, tickets via mattstewartcomedy.com. Uh, there's two sessions, 6.30 and 8.30. Uh, don't know if there's tickets left for the 6.31, but definitely 8.30. There's still tickets available. Um, why not come to both if there are tickets still available to the first one? Why not? There's and no. 8.30, 8 is, that, is that the adults only session? That's the adults. That's the one yeah, where I have my, <laughs> my pants down. But, um, <laughs> Same jokes, just pants down. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, well, I mean, we film from the waist up, so only people in the room know. Oh, that's an in-room exclusive. Yeah. 
I'm also going to be in Adelaide on the 15th of July at the Rhino Room. Tickets for that also at matsfieldcomedy.com. Anyway, Dave, enough of that. Let's get on with the show. How does it work again? Well, basically, Matt, we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener. And uh, for the 299th time this week, it is Jess Perkins' turn to give us a report. Matt and I have no idea what she's going to talk about and to get us on to that topic. She's now going to ask us a question. My question is, which war occurred over a 20-year period between 1872 and 1892? Oh, the 20 years war. <laughs> it was oh, not the 20 years war. One of the Boer wars. Not a Boer war. Uh, what was that? It's, it's post-Crimean, this one. Yeah, oh, it is because um, I remember that uh, Burke, Robert O'Hara Burke, Try to get over in time for the Crimean War in the 1870s or something, and he missed it. He missed. He misses everything. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine missing a war. No, was here for the war. Shattered. Um, okay, so post Crimean, pre World War One, pre Boer, pre Boer, the pre Boer War. Is it the pre Boer War? It's a pre. It, uh, sure. Um, think about it less as a uh, you know military battle. Oh. And think about it, a little clue is it? think about things that are uh, inside our bodies. Oh. oh, I think I've seen this one in the hat before. Okay. Um, it's the Large Intestine War. It is not the Large is Intestine Is it the wars. Boner War? <laughs> it is the Bone Wars. Oh, I said bone, but I also said er. Do I get the point for that? No. No. You said Boner War and you were incorrect. <sighs> That's the price of comedy. <laughs> It is. And Dave, if your boner is inside you, I think I think well, that's good. I mean, that's well, that's what I tell people. Any. The rest of it's inside. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really big, but most of it's just inside. Yeah. It's got deep roots. <laughs> got like two feet in here. I think that technically is true. I think it does keep going in you. Yeah, it doesn't just, otherwise it would snap off. <laughs> Needs to be bru- Anyway, let's not get into the biomechanics of. I guess you're right. Yeah. But I don't want to think about it. No. Um, <laughs> it is the Bone Wars. It's been suggested by a bunch of people. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it maybe even put up for a vote before, maybe. Well, it didn't win. Well, I know, I, I, but I don't know I don't know anything about it. It's one of those ones where you see the topping and go, sounds cool, let's see. Yeah. yeah I'm get, is it, I feel like dinosaur bones? Maybe. Ooh. Nah, it is. Um, <laughs> it's been suggested by a lot of people, including Thomas McKenna, uh, Adil Asker, Costin Espiritu, Eric Mickles, Keith Higgins, Lacey, Mike Puddy, Callum J, Burgess Wiley, fucking hell, Kevin Packrad, uh, Tom McKenna again. He snuck in. He's, he's just it three times. I caught the other one where it was Thomas, but he got me with Tom. Uh, Jacob Hinkle, Luke Newcomb, uh, Paulita, Duke Barry, Newcomb, so close. Nelly, Ben, Jonathan Taylor, Kantz. Uh, hey, Jonathan Taylor can in my book. <laughs> uh, ben uh, Monsma. Wow, these are all, I mean, they always are, but this is another Huge. great list of names. Uh, Emmy and Chris Torres. Wow, I felt like you said every name ever then. Yeah, it felt like that. That was awesome. It felt like that went forever. I reckon Kevin Packrad might be, might have had the most suggested topics that we've done. Yeah, surely. He, his name comes up a lot, in, yeah. or used to. So what does that say? Does that say he has good suggestions or he's a basic bitch? <laughs> He's on our level. That's what he is. Column A, little column B, as Sophie Shooter would say. Um, (laughs) So prior to the 1870s, only nine species of dinosaurs had been discovered and named in the US. Over a 20-year period, 
from around 1872 to 92, two American paleontologists. <gasps> Ross Geller? <laughs> no, but their names are great. Edward Drinker Cope. <laughs> Sorry, what? Drinker. <laughs> Cope, Cope uh, was a, an old soft drink brand and they bought his surname for advertising. <laughs> drink a Cope. <laughs> Edward Drink a Cope. When I'm thirsty, I drink a Cope. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm thirsty from all that bone digging, <laughs> I like to drink a Cope. <laughs> and Othniel Charles Marsh. Othniel. 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 Othniel Charles Marsh. <laughs> Between them, discovered 142 new species of dinosaurs. Wow, no way. All while entangled in a petty and bitter feud. This is the Bone Wars. Love it. So a bit of backstory. Edward Drinker Cope was born on 28th of July, 1840, in what would now be Philadelphia, and his interest in animals became apparent at a very young age, as did his natural artistic ability. Um, At 12, he attended the Friends Boarding School, um, Ross Geller? Near, near Westchester, <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> As a friends-themed boarding school. <laughs> I don't know. There. Um, you're going to be in Joey's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a Phoebe. <laughs> um, Surprisingly high IQ, we learnt recently. Yeah, Lisa, yeah. Lisa Goodrow. <laughs> yeah. She studied science. Um, and according to biographer Jane Davidson, um, Cope was a bit of a spoiled brat, frequently writing letters home requesting a larger allowance. His family had a bit of money. <laughs> Just keep writing more. <laughs> Dear Mummy and Daddy. More. More? more? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, Oliver style. Yeah. Please, sir, <laughs> can I have some more money? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're wishing to negotiate your salary at work. Honestly, it's the best tactic. <laughs> Holding out your cap. Yeah, it's still an Oliver impression. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> some more schlop and cash. Because <laughs> you get paid with coins thrown into your your hat. Anyway, um, he often obtained bad marks due to quarrelling and bad conduct, and he developed a reputation for having pretty bad temper. Hmm. After the summer break in 1855, Cope's father decided not to send his son back to school, but tried to encourage his son to become a gentleman farmer. <laughs> I'm not sure what that farms is. Farms gentleman. Right. Yeah. Farms gentleman, yeah. You gotta, you gotta Which grow. is tricky because they never shit. <laughs> so How they, do you get the seed? Yeah. <laughs> How do you put them in the ground? Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a, it's a nightmare. Do they grow on a tree or in the ground? In the ground. Yeah. So you see them sort of coming up from the waist up. Going, I say! <laughs> <laughs> so dicks were originally roots. Yeah. Yeah. So the dicks and legs and toes. So they grow be. dick first. Yeah, dick first. That makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? It's my motto. The, <laughs> so the scrotum is sort of like a bulb. Yeah, So you yeah. plant the, the scrot, yes. and then the dick grows out of that, which starts sucking in nutrients, and then <laughs> legs come out with toes, and then the gentleman will grow up from there. <laughs> <laughs> My lord. <laughs> oh, they're blooming. <laughs> the gentleman grows up from there. Fucking hell, that's crook. <laughs> so he wanted his son to be a farmer. He considered that to be a, a wholesome profession. It would yield enough profit to lead a comfortable life. It was a good it was a good job. Um but all along Edward had said he found farming dreadfully boring and wanted to pursue a more professional scientific career. 
While he worked on farms, he began working part-time at the Academy of Natural Sciences, reclassifying and cataloguing specimen, and published his first series of research results in January of 1859. Instead of working the, far, uh, of working the farm that his father bought for him, <laughs> Edward rented out the land and used that money to fund his scientific endeavours. His dad's, like, really pushing. So, like, hey, why don't you study these farming subjects. And he's like, I hate these. I hate these farming subjects. He's like, why don't you work on a farm? And he's like, I hate working on a farm. He's like, how about I give you a farm? And he's like, I'm going to rent out that land. Do you think he told his dad or he was like one of those, in the morning, pretended to go to work on the (laughs) farm. He gets up, puts his overalls on and then drives to the lab. He must have told his... a tractor. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, like when he's like 100 metres from home, he pulls over, rubs some dirt on his face, gets back on. God, you would not believe the day I had. On the tractor that I'm on. Me and the cows. I milked them. Is that what you do? (laughs) I looked at them. Milked a chicken. I brushed them. I think he did tell his dad because eventually his dad just gave in and paid for his university classes. So in 1861, he attended the University of Pennsylvania and studied comparative anatomy under Joseph Leedy, one of the most influential anatomists and paleontologists at the time. And that name will come up later. What's the name again? Joseph Leedy. Great. I like it. Leedy. Over the next few years, uh, he had a job recataloguing the herpetological collection at the Academy of Natural Sciences and published many works, primarily on reptiles and amphibians. And what is herpetological? A fantastic question, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> herpetological. 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 Use it in a sentence. Hi, I'm doing a bit of herpetological, herpetological. work. Herp. Etologist. What's that? A herpetologist <laughs> is a zoologist who studies reptiles and that's oh, what you sort of said. Reptiles right. and amphibians such as frogs and salamanders. Many herpetologists oh God, Nailing it. focus on conservation of these species. Others use them to assess overall environmental conditions in a particular area. That's from environmentalscience.org. Yeah, I read that. I think one of his first um, first major works was on salamanders. Right. So that makes sense. Um, uh, in 1863, at the age of 23, he went travelling around Europe, visiting museums and meeting highly esteemed scientists. His father sent him off travelling. I think one of the reasons his dad sent him off travelling was that he was like, um, in a relationship with someone his dad didn't uh, yeah. approve of, and He's... also civil war was happening, so okay. he sent him off to avoid <laughs> the draft. Oh, wow, yeah. And, you know, can take you to her. Find yourself. Yeah, 23. You're too young to settle down. You're too young. <laughs> if your parents are telling you, you're too young to settle down, yeah. they hate your partner. Yeah, they hate them. <laughs> nah, I mean, you know, see what's out there. I mean, maybe you should join the war if you get away from her. <laughs> Yeah, is that the worst thing in the world? Hey, find out who you, you, think, you believe, whichever, whichever side that is. Yeah. <laughs> if you live through the war, it was meant to be. Yeah. Then you can, I guess, see her again if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> so while he was in Berlin, that's where he met Othniel Charles Marsh, a 32-year-old American who was studying at the University of Berlin. So he's also American, okay. Yeah, both American. He was born, uh, Marsh was born October 29, 1831 in Lockport, New York. His mother, Mary Gaines Peabody, was the younger sister of wealthy banker and philanthropist George Peabody. Oh. From the Peabody Award. Yeah. His mother died of cholera when he was three oh. years old. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genuinely. <laughs> genuinely. Oh, um, so, yeah, George... Um, 
Othniel, sorry, he lost his mother when he was young, um, but with the financial backing of his uncle, George Peabody, um, he obtained a, a, a very good education. He graduated from Phillips Academy Andover in 1856 and Yale College with his Bachelor of Arts degree with honours in 1860. Then he received a Berkeley scholarship from Yale and studied geology, mineralogy and chemistry at Yale's Sheffield Scientific School from 1860 to 62. Like, it's just studying the whole time. He's got right. many degrees. He studied paleontology and anatomy in Berlin, which is, of course, where he met Edward Cope. The two became friends, exchanging letters and discussing paleontology, and even named species after each other. Oh. Isn't that nice? Right, so there's like a drinker Cope, a sore <laughs> Cope named an amphibian fossil uh, Pythonius marshi. And was it like the lamest one? Is it they already having goes at each other? Or is Not it yet. Some kind of kind. I think they're being nice. The one with a small stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I found your one. <laughs> found your, uh, your great-great-grandfather. <laughs> yeah, you're only two generations separated <laughs> from this thing. You little prick. <laughs> so... So is Drinker his middle name? Yeah. <laughs> Drinker. Drinker. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Incredible. Yeah, baffling. Uh, Marsh returned the favour, naming a giant marine creature Mosasaurus Copanus. It's Copanus. <laughs> so <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I think they were pretty different personalities and, like, uh, Marsh is sort of, like, he's wealthy because of his uncle and but very, very educated um, but Cope is more of like the the gentleman, but not as educated. So I think they kind of they look down on each other for different ah, things. So they sort of for the first few years they like um, they send letters back and forth. They're discussing things, and like it seems fairly friendly. But I think there's a I think it's a little bit of a love hate. Upon his return to the United States in 1866, Marsh was appointed Professor of Vertebrate uh, Paleontology at Yale University, making him the first professor of paleontology in the US. That's in 1866, first professor of paleontology. Good for him. That's kind of cool. When his uncle, George Peabody, passed away, Othniel inherited $100,000... And this money was put towards his scientific work. And he and his many fossil hunters, incredible job title, were able to uncover about 500 new species of fossil animals. Wow. So, 500? Yeah. Essentially, it's like they have people, um, they kind of send out to various places wherever, um, yeah, somebody finds a fossil in one area and just like heaps of people arrive and start digging and finding stuff. It's like a bone rush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big time. And then <laughs> I have one of those. It's <laughs> 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 from what, like 13 to 18. <laughs> Oh, God. I can't stand up for the next four to six minutes. <laughs> Very specific. Love that. <laughs> and so, yeah, they'd find fossils, send them back to these um, paleontologists who have the qualifications, the education mm. in identifying what stuff is and or figuring out what it came from. They were pretty loose at the time, though, weren't they? Because I think they they had to undo some of the work from the old days where, like, I know the Triceratops, or there were certain animals where different people would find fossils, but they were just like a, a young 
Triceratops, say, and an older one, which is a lot bigger. Yeah. And two people would call them two different species. Yeah. And then they uh, had to, like, start combining a few of those oh, that's in recent time. 100% this. Oh, right. They're, oh, n- they're finding the same things. They're finding stuff that's already been found 10 years earlier. Oh, right. They're naming it their own thing. <laughs> it's not just them, but these two are the fucking worst at right. it. So, that yeah, they're... they're Putting, they're just whatever bones they find, they're just making it work. It's like having, <laughs> it's like having puzzle puzzle pieces from three different puzzles, and they're like, "That's all that is." Just right. because they're in a rush to like find the next okay. thing and to have more finds than the other person. Oh, so, so a lot. Of, so that 142 number I said, it's like 30 of those are, are valid. Oh, okay. they're just making shit up. So they're making yeah, like merging all these. The rest of them, they've skeletons just together. Pulled out the glue gun and just gone <laughs> yeah. bit here, bit here. Oh. Yeah, this one has legs coming out of its head and its butt. <laughs> yeah, call it butt leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's a butt legosaurus. So that's another one for me. Tick. <laughs> it's wild. So yeah, this yeah. is a one butt Legosaurus. This one's a two butt Legosaurus. <laughs> I got heaps of these three butt Legosaurus. Yeah, I got. I could go all day with my uh, buttosaurus. But I only went to four. Yeah. <laughs> Started running out of room on the butts for legs. <laughs> so Cope, on the other hand, became a professor of zoology at Haverford College, but only after his family connections got him an honorary master's degree so that he could get the job. Right, because he's. Sort of self-taught in a way. Yeah, he doesn't like he's he's done some university classes. I don't think he has like a full qualification, um, but he's he's yeah, his family's quite wealthy, right? And he worked in a lab from a very young age. Yeah, right? pretty young. Yeah, um, so yeah, they they gave him an honorary degree just so that he could actually have the job as a professor of zoology. Um, feels like you should probably actually learn, but. That's fine. Um, And he also worked for the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia. And over the next few years, both men continued their work with an almost obsessive nature. Cope got married and had a daughter. And while the family lived very comfortably, his main concern was for more money to spend on his scientific work. When I say comfortably, they had like a nice house with servants and like they had staff and they were fine. They were very, very, they were well off. It's a funny addiction. I need more cash. Support my habit. Yeah. What's your habit? Science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made another hit. Oh, God. Gotta find more fossils. <laughs> Gotta find them fossils. You never get the thriller that you get for the first yeah. discovery. Chasing, chasing the oh, dragon. Yeah. Well, I'm literally trying to find a dragon's <laughs> fossil. Have you seen one? <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay good money for it. <laughs> Don't give it to Marsh. <laughs> There's a lot of that, too. Um, the 1870s were the golden years of Cope's career marked by his most prominent discoveries and rapid flow of publications. In the period of one year, from uh, 1879 to 1880, Cope published 76 papers based on his travels through New Mexico and Colorado and on the findings of his collectors in Texas, Kansas, Oregon, Colorado, Wyoming and Utah. So he's got people spread out. Right, 76 papers in like a year or two. In a year. 76 papers. How is he doing that? Mm. Do you think any of them are good? Oh, yeah. Do you think they're thought out? <laughs> yeah, I reckon they're, yeah, I reckon yeah. they're great. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty sick. You're yeah, right. They're right. great. <laughs> he was churning out so much work that many errors occurred and several of his scientific names were later cancelled or withdrawn. Sort of what we were talking oh, about before. Like right. he's kind of, he's just sort of, I don't know, it feels like he's rushing into stuff really mm. quickly just to like churn the work out. Just to be prolific for prolific's sake? Yeah, he's a quantity over quality kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So he's churning a lot out and it's 
he's not always the most accurate. Um, but Marsh, on the other hand, wrote far less than Cope, but to a much wider audience, often appearing in the popular American Journal of Science, which led to his reputation growing much faster. Oh, interesting. So he's kind of, he's he's quality. Right. Yeah. And that's working. Interesting. It's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's how that works. We should try quality sometime. <laughs> nah. <laughs> now nah, back to fart jokes. Um, on one occasion... The t- <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. <laughs> that's a good one. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> on one occasion, the two scientists had gone on a fossil collecting expedition together to Cope's milestone pit in New Jersey. So Cope takes Marsh to, like, one of his sites. He's like, come on down, we'll go dig for fossils together. It'll be real cute. At the end of the expedition, like it's, it was all amicable, but Marsh secretly bribed the pit operators to send any future fossils to him oh, and not sucks. to cope. That's poor form. Oh, no. That's poor form you from dog. Marsh. That's a real dog effort. He invited him to his pit. Yeah. If you're a guest in someone's pit, you don't <laughs> behave that way. Yeah. How do you behave? Well, in a much more gentlemanly way. Yeah. Firstly, you don't shit. <laughs> Never shit in the pit. Never shit in the pit. Never Se- shit in the pit. Secondly, you just you just don't steal fossils. Hmm. That's almost a blanket rule for me. Never steal fossils. Really? But is the shit in the pit always a blanket well, rule? Well, fossils are often shit, aren't there they? There you go. So, rule applies to both. Yeah. Today's shit, tomorrow's fossil. Huh? <laughs> That's what I it. say every time I flush. <laughs> one man's shit's another man's fossil. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a diamond one day, if I understand science. <laughs> I Congratulations. Yeah, I believe that's how it works. So this obviously didn't go down very well. The two begin to attack each other in papers they publish, and their already rocky relationship only deteriorated further. In 1867, bones were found in Fort Wallace, Kansas, which Cope examined over a few years, naming it Elasmosaurus platyurus. Uh, It was a big deal. Elasmosaurus was the first major fossil discovery in Kansas and the largest there um, from there at the time. And it marked the beginning of a fossil collecting rush that sent thousands of fossils from Kansas to prominent museums on the American East Coast. So it was a big deal that they'd found this this big dinosaur. It was like a, a big aquatic plesiosaur had flippers four flippers and a really long neck how many butt legs (laughs) it had four butt flippers whoa yeah that would be a fast swimmer big muscles the butt oh yeah and a fast pooper (laughs) just fan them out um (laughs) where to go no one knows no one knows but when the elasmosaurus was on display in what, so he's like he's got it on display. Everybody's looking at it, going, "Wow, look at this new thing you found! Sick!" In walks Marsh, who takes one look at it and casually tells Cope that he's put the head on the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like he put the head on the butt. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, cool dinosaur man, you put the head on the butt." That's uh, where the term butthead came from. Oh no, Cope, the one with the temper, cracks it. And the two are arguing for some time, and then they decide to get Joseph Leedy, Cope's mentor, to come and examine the bones and decide once and for all who is correct. <laughs> once and for all, where's the butt and where's the head? <laughs> <laughs> so Leedy comes down, picks up the head of the fossil, puts it at the other end. Oh, oh he Marsh was it. right. 
Leedy also concluded that Elasmosaurus was identical to Discosaurus, a plesiosaur he had named in 1851. So it was the same as something that already existed. Discosaur. Discosaurus. That's awesome. That's How good is that? Um, Cope was... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining myself in a silent disco. <laughs> Sandstorm's playing. Sick. And that's just you every now and then yeah. singing along. You rightfully called me out on it. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> no, so I really, you know. Otherwise, if you don't have if you don't have checks and balances, yeah, that's right. Get away with anything. Yeah. Every now and then, I just I'm in the silent disco, and then I wake up and I'm back in reality. Oh, how long have you been there? <laughs> <laughs> But you wake up and you've still got uh, those fluoro sticks yes. threaded between close your fingers. Oh. How they get close sticks? Yeah. How'd they get there? <laughs> you've still got pingers in your pockets. Yeah. How'd they get there? <laughs> what? What's going, What's going on? on? What's going on? Where am I? Am I a disco sort? <laughs> <laughs> Is my butt in my head? <laughs> My head and my butt. He put it the wrong end. That's yeah, so yeah. I feel like that's. I'm retiring that day. Look, yeah. I had to go. It's all over. Yeah, you really. You've argued with the other guy for hours about it. You brought in the expert. You are basically putting your entire career on whether he's going to move the head or not. And as soon as he d- does, you go. Thanks very much. I'm out. Mm. And it's funny that he didn't say it. No, nah, it's the wrong end. He he went over. He picked up the head and he put it at the other end. <laughs> so just to make it really slow and painful as well. Yeah. Oh, he's picking it up. Is he going <gasps> to just readjust the... <laughs> <laughs> no, he's oh. walking over to the other end. Oh, is, is, is he going to... This is a fake out? <laughs> yeah. There's a little there's a polite crowd in there. And he puts it down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uncommented. Lee picks up the head. Picks up the head. <laughs> Examines it. Examines it. He's dusted it off. <laughs> he's taking a few strides to the other end of the torso. Oh, he's putting it down. He is putting it down on the neck. (laughs) That is the neck is where the head belongs in the end. (laughs) That is a game set match. Not on the butt. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) I think fantastic bone work there. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen a credit play. (laughs) Fantastic bone work. (laughs) That's why he is the best. He's the bone master. We've always said that. (laughs) (laughs) We've always said that about Joseph Leedy, the bone master general. Another fantastic play. (laughs) So Cope is (laughs) absolutely mortified, mainly because he had already published a paper on the fossil with the error um, at the American Philosophical Society. He published a paper. The paper has the the head on the butt, and it's called the wrong thing. Yes. So he tries... I'm picturing it like fully drawn. You know, they'll they'll use CGI or whatever to show what the dinosaurs might have looked like. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's clearly a butt with a head coming out of it. <laughs> Magnificent beast. I don't know how he didn't see it. <laughs> it ain't where it shit. Shit where it ain't. <laughs> it was efficient. They were much more efficient than us back then. Yeah, I call it devolution. <laughs> <laughs> we have devolved. So he tries to buy back all the copies of his paper. Oh. <laughs> this is awful. But oh. he, he couldn't get them all back. Can you guess who maybe had a copy and wasn't willing to give it up? No. Dog. What a dog. He, he invited him to his pit. Yeah, Marsh has it. So does Leedy. Leedy, I read. I forgot to. I don't, didn't write it down in the end. But um, Cope kind of tried to, like, cover it up. Like, he, he didn't admit that he was wrong. 
he just tried to like get all those papers back and then just um, republish the correct way. Yeah. Um, so Leedy kind of called him out on it. Yeah, because he'd already found that. Yeah, and he sort of, I think he was more incensed that, like, you haven't just admitted you were wrong. It's okay to be wrong. You just haven't admitted that you were incorrect. He wanted to teach him a lesson. Yeah. He was like a mentor to him, so (laughs) makes sense. So Cope and Marsh, they're done now. Any chance of being amicable is over. You know, like you teach a dog. I don't know if they still do this, but putting the dog's face in their (laughs) their mess. Yeah. How much easier would that have been for these dinosaurs? (laughs) (laughs) And they, it seems like they probably enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it would be it would be easy to just sort of tip them over slightly. You don't shit where you eat. Well, they after do. these dinosaurs, <laughs> don't eat when you shit. It's like I don't. It probably doesn't matter which order that is in. They always found that uh, that expression pretty offensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, be nice if I didn't have to. <laughs> So, yeah, they're done. They're, there's no chance of them rekindling any kind of friendship. And from now on, they are just openly hostile towards one another. What followed is just decades of pettiness and sabotage. <laughs> In 1877, Marsh received a letter from Arthur Lakes, a schoolteacher in Golden, Colorado, Lakes had been hiking in the mountains near a town near the town of Morrison with his friend, looking for fossilized leaves in the Dakota sandstone. Instead, the pair found large bones embedded in the rock. Lakes sent Marsh the bulk of the bones, but also sent some to Cope. Not really sure why. I don't think he necessarily knew about the rivalry. It was probably just more like if you know, send it out a bit and whoever bites. Yeah. You, you probably get paid for it, so he's, right. you know, send it out to the, a couple of big names. Marsh published his findings and paid Lakes $100, and Lakes thought he'd better let Cope know that he should probably send the bones that he had to Marsh, as it's kind of his discovery now. Marsh has already published his stuff, so yeah. you send those bones over. Cope didn't like that. Marsh didn't like that Lakes had sent any of the bones to Cope in the first place, so they're just pissed off all the time. Another time Marsh heard about a vast boneyard in Como Bluff, Wyoming, and sent one of his guys down to be in charge of the digging. Cope learns of this and sends his own guy down, (laughs) and they just try to sabotage each other the whole time. Both men tried to spy on the other's whereabouts and attempted to offer their collectors more money in the hopes of recruiting them to their own side. So they're they're trying to poach each other's collectors as well. Cope was actually able, he was able to do it. He recruited a couple of men from Marsh, um, David Baldwin in New Mexico and Frank Williston in Wyoming. So he stole a couple of his people. They were really secretive and paranoid, never wanting to reveal the source of their fossils in case the other one found out and sabotaged them. So they won't talk they won't talk to anybody about it. They don't even publish their findings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all a secret. So the paleontological digs lasted 15 years um, from 77 to 92 and the workers for both Cope and Marsh suffered hardships related to the weather as well as the sabotage and obstruction by the other scientist workers. So many of these workers are, are good friends with each other and they're pitted against each other and sent to spy and sabotage on their former friends. Yeah, that sounds like, like a toxic workplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full espionage style, you don't know who to trust. Yeah. Like, especially if you're poaching someone, well, if you're able to poach them, maybe yeah. they can poach you they back. They could be a can double you, Yeah, can you agent. trust them? Yeah. yeah. There were a couple of instances where, like, people who had worked for Marsh went out on digs with Cope 
and Marsh got really paranoid about it and they were like, no, we're still your people. And so it was co- really confusing as to like are they spying or are they just needing work? So yeah. they're just working where the work is, which is pretty reasonable. Um, it's very strange. Doesn't sound like they'd be treated reasonably, though. No. no. Oh, you're going to work for him now, are you? Okay. Hmm? Well, I'm going to kill your family. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? What? <laughs> well, I'm a freelancer. I just do whatever work I can get. Yeah. I, I literally just dig. <laughs> just I'm a digger. Dig. I'm a digger. I've got a big shovel. Please, I know how to use it. I don't care. i got a big shovel and I know how to use it. <laughs> oh! Woo! Must be nice. (laughs) 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 The the two men, Cope and Marsh, were so protective of their digging sites that they would often destroy smaller or damaged fossils to prevent them from falling into their rivals' hands. They're destroying fossils? (laughs) Yes. If it's small or damaged, blow it up. Oh my god! They start. This is something they started out with the love of the foss. Yeah, they and love the foss. Now they're blowing up those just fossils. so that the other one doesn't get it. Uh, but it's like if it's worth them getting, why don't you just hold on to it? Yeah, that's, that doesn't make any sense. No, it's stupid. Really, it's got a bit of the feel of that uh, that biblical story where the the king goes, "Which of you, if uh, you both want this baby, well, I'm going to cut it in half, and you can each have." Half. Or even the Seinfeld episode where they say, if you both want this bike, I'll cut it in half. <laughs> and then uh, I think Kramer goes, no, 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 I'd prefer Elaine to have it than to cut it out. Newman's like, if I'm remembering this right, Kramer, you've shown that you love this bike the most. <laughs> you can keep the bike. <laughs> it's a great way to test people. Yeah. I think that one. Um yeah, uh, they would also – so, yeah, they'd blow up or they'd destroy um, smaller fossils. Sometimes they would just fill in their excavation sites with dirt and rocks, again, to make it harder for somebody else to come along and dig <laughs> so there. So it sounds like b- based on that story, the Kramer and the bike, yeah. neither of them deserve these fossils. Uh, absolutely. They're both willing to blow them up yep. and sabotage. Uh, it's, it's strange. Yeah. They, they used to – have their eyes on the prize, and now it's all about jealousy and stuff. It's sad to see. It is so sad. Um, on one occasion, which I thought uh, was something that was maybe a bit exaggerated for the episode of Drunk History I watched on this, but it seems <laughs> I it's like, true. I'm glad you did some deep research. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Cope started drinking like six shots of bourbon. <laughs> and then Cope said, anyway, um, you shut up. Um no, but it seems that it is true. The rival teams one time fought each other <laughs> by throwing stones. Ah. They just had a stone fight. And then they like in two separate fossils? like pits quite close to each other, just throwing rocks at each oh, other. They like invented trench warfare. Trench warfare. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, music, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred and one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How many? One, does it go to one hundred and two? It goes all the way to one hundred and two. <laughs> <laughs> You can customise everything with next-generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow. Like per month or? Yeah, USD. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do. Do go on. It's so stupid. And it wasn't just dig sites that they would try to sabotage. They also tried their best to ruin each other's professional credibility. But it's like, okay, well, you're sabotaging the sites. You're kind of already doing that. Um, Cope's habit of churning out half-baked papers gave Marsh plenty of opportunity to point out errors and publicly criticise Cope. He'd just be like, wrong, no. Poor Cope. uh -uh." (laughs) How was he uh, dealing with it all? (laughs) (laughs) He turned into a real drinker. Um, By the 1880s, Marsh had used his connections to be appointed chief paleontologist for the USGC, which is the US Geological Society, headed by John Wesley Powell. He was also elected head of the National Academy of Science. And with this... And which uh, end did they put the head? With his new power and federal funds at his disposal, Marsh began cutting Cope off from government funding. He succeeded in... (laughs) Denied, denied, denied. Absolutely. Um, So Cope's influence was dwindling, as was his family fortune. So he invested in silver mines, which were profitable for a couple of years, but the mines stopped producing, and by 1886 he had to give up his now worthless stock. So he's kind of lost everything. Uh-huh. He's got no money. Um, but it gets worse. No, oh, no. Oh, cool. But it, he's lost everything, but it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse, but it gets better. Okay. It's a bit of a roller coaster for both of them over the next few years. So Marsh got a law passed that said all fossils collected with the help of government funding now belong to the Smithsonian. This was an outrage to Cope, who had used his own money while working as a volunteer. Marsh had included a clause saying this included scientists who had accompanied government expeditions at their own expense. So he's essentially just saying anything Cope has is ours now, mine. Anything you have, mine. Give it to me. 
So it wasn't even subtle. It was so and it was, obvious. And that was like a law that was enacted that worked in, on the pass, like yes. grandfathered or whatever they say. That's that's stiff. Yeah. But, I mean, also fair enough. I always think you're digging stuff out of the ground. That should be everybody's stuff. Yeah, okay. Give it to me. I, I want that too. I want it. Give me that gentleman. Yeah, we that should freshly all, dug up gentleman. We should all have a go. Like, I get the dinosaur bones on Monday. Matt gets yes. it Tuesday, just Wednesday. Just cycles through. What about what about Saturday? Yeah. What about what about Sunday? Yeah. What about Sunday? <laughs> Simpsons reference there, Jess. You get that one? No, I don't get that one. That was the uh, when they bought issue one of Radioactive Man. Oh yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Millhouse. Yep. Homer, can you check on the boys? <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> They're just tearing each other apart. <laughs> What about Sundays? (laughs) So this starts a whole new war because Cope had something that Marsh didn't realise he had. A little something up his sleeve. What's he got? Cope had kept an elaborate journal of mistakes and misdeeds that both Marsh and Pal had committed over the years. Oh, I love it. He had evidence. From scientific errors to publishing mistakes, he had them all written down in his little journal. Oh, a little black book. Shit list. Yeah. He took this journal to the New York Herald, and the first article ran on January 12th, 1890. Um, Apparently riddled with mistakes, spelling errors. (laughs) The journalist, not the best, but it put the info out there. Kind of. (laughs) It would become a series of newspaper newspaper debates between Marsh, Powell and Cope. Why didn't the newspaper do a spell check? A fantastic question, Matt. A fantastic question. Cope attacked Marsh for plagiarism and financial mismanagement and attacked Powell for his geological classification errors and misspending of the government-allocated funds. They had, like, a bit of a rebuttal. Um, but no investigation occurred into Powell's alleged misallocation of funds. But the bad press did put pressure on Powell to remove Marsh from his position. So I guess Cope kind of got his way because he got Marsh booted. Oh, Wow. So Marsh loses his position of power and Cope begins to slowly get back on his feet. After Joseph Leedy died, Cope took over his position as professor of zoology at the University of Pennsylvania and the wage from that um, proved to be enough for the family to move back into their home that they'd, have, they'd had to vacate a couple of years earlier. They sort of lost their home and then oh, right. got it back. Did you find yourself siding with one of the guys um, in the reading? I think you do side a little more with Cope. But he's not great either. Right. Like they're both, and I think, um, oh, <laughs> I hope I included it somewhere in here, but um, somebody talking about them in reflection later, it was like they both did a, did a lot more damage by like blowing shit up and destroying yeah. things just out of pettiness. Takes a long time to build a fossil and then yeah. to blow it up. It's like, well, that's freaking hell. Yeah. Great. Come on. You know how long it took me to get that? Oh, come on, boys. That's millions of years, right? Yeah. Millions of years? Am I yeah. saying that right? <laughs> it's like ages. Jeez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Cope sold his collection to the American Museum of Natural History in 1895. I don't know exactly what happened when Marsh had that rule of, like, everything everything you've collected, send to us. It seems like... Obviously, that didn't really happen because Cope still had quite a massive collection, which he sold. He was like, yeah, 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 send, send it all in. He had about 10,000 American fossils uh, of mammals. <laughs> 10,000 American fossils. <laughs> you said that fun. Sorry. He said it in a fun way. He had 10,000 American, American fossils. fossils. 
Um, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> ten thousand? Yeah, it's heaps. It sold for thirty-two thousand dollars. I don't have ten thousand anything. Dollars? Uh, Carry the two. <laughs> Carry the two. <laughs> no. Maybe if I sold that. <laughs> So if I get, maybe I might have to liquefy some assets. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting three bucks a pot for these things. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Um, it was lower than his asking price of fifty thousand. He sold three other collections for twenty nine thousand um, uh, dollars. But he, even though he had quite a lot of stuff, like he had a, a collection of more than thirteen thousand specimens, his fossil hoard was still much smaller than Marsh's collection, valued at over a million dollars. Whoa, whoa! Because Marsh they're, just they're had worth three bucks each. That's shitload. <laughs> <laughs> That's like. <laughs> More two million plus. <laughs> Marsh just had a lot more money, um, like fairly consistently through his life. It seemed they both at different stages like lost everything, right? Because they just kept spending so much on on this. That does dip. seem like a thing that happens with people who are addicted to you know like being the best at something, yeah. or or especially in business that they'll lose their fortune a couple of times. Mm. Guess it's you know bound to happen, and then they'll risk it all again and build it up. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild way to live. Sounds stressful. It, I, I was just thinking yeah. that it sounds. It doesn't sound like a fun life and when you're, also, you're so angry at somebody yeah. else who's just loves the same thing you do. And you screw you're screwing people over. Yeah. Like you can't do that without screwing over lots of people. Yeah. So I'm bankrupt now. So I'm writing off all that debt. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I was kind of relying on that money. <laughs> Sorry. Their rivalry... Have some fossil. <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 mil fossil. <laughs> they, um, yeah, their rivalry was throughout their whole lives, through the ups and downs they both faced. They both achieved a lot and both had times of financial ruin and personal hardship, like I mentioned. Um, judging by pure numbers, Marsh won the Bone Wars. Both scientists made finds of immense scientific value, but while Cope discovered a total of 56 new dinosaur species, Marsh discovered 80. In the later stages of the Bone Wars... 80. 80. And that's, like, after they took away all the, like... I'm the not 100% sure. Yeah, I don't know. Jeez. Because that's still... That's a lot. But I guess early days... Because I was surprised... I read that not too long ago that... I was surprised how recent, you know, humans discovered dinosaurs. Yeah. I was like, was it in the 1700s or something? Uh, I think It was so. like relatively recently. Yeah. So it makes sense that when you're there early, you're going to be able to find more. Find a lot of it, yeah. A bi- the biggest one in Australia was discovered recently. Really? Announced, yeah. You would have seen that at work. Yeah, you? yeah, it was big. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for another... That's why people tune in. Yeah. <laughs> it was really big, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh... Another spot-on contribution from Dave White. I can't remember where it was. can't remember where it uh, was. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, let me... Wait, when, when you finish, Jess, I'll, I'll find an article that sort of summarises the new thing. Okay, cool. Um... In the later stages of the Bone Wars, Marsh simply had more men and more money at his disposal than Cope did. That's what I was talking about before. He just had more cash. Cope also had a much um, a broader set of paleontological interests. Marsh was kind of – he was more interested in reptiles and mammals. Cope was kind of interested in everything. So I think they were looking for different things. But anyway, from Wikipedia, this is a really good um, 
thing that kind of sums them up a little bit. Wikipedia.org? .org, yes. It's a new website that I'm really fond of. Wow. Despite their advances, the Bone Wars also had a negative effect not only on the two scientists, but also on their peers and the entire field. The public animosity between Cope and Marsh harmed the reputation of American paleontology in Europe for decades. Wow. Gave them all a bad name. Furthermore, the reported use of dynamite and sabotage by employees <laughs> of both men may have destroyed or buried hundreds of potentially critical fossil remains. <sighs> How is, stupid. Is there a difference between dynamite and dynamite? <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> Joseph Leedy abandoned his more methodical... So selfish. I know. Um, Joseph Leedy abandoned his more methodical excavations in the West, finding he could not keep up with Cope's Cope and Marsh's reckless searching for bones. So he, they sort of deterred other people. In their haste to outdo each other, Cope and Marsh haphazardly assembled the bones of their own discoveries. Their descriptions of new species based on their reconstructions led to confusion and misconceptions that lasted for decades after their deaths. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, they just kind of go, well, I've got this, this and this. We'll just, that must be all together. And it's like, nah, <laughs> they could be different things that you've found. That's funny. It's a bit odd. Um, Cope suffered ill health in his final years, dying in April of 1897 at the age of 56. Cope insisted through his will that no graveside service or burial be held. He donated his body to science. He issued a final challenge to Marsh at his death. (laughs) What's the final He had his skull donated to science so his brain (laughs) could be measured. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hoping his brain would be larger than Marsh's. Oh, At is... the time, brain size was thought to be the true measurement of ah, intelligence. That's so funny. That is the worst uh, example of a pissing contest I've ever heard right? of. The... Who's got the bigger brain? And neither of them ever know. Yeah. The younger one dies first and, and says, well, measure my brain. Marsh, we'll see. And Marsh is like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. And Marsh died a couple of years later and... They never measured, so it was all pointless. But yeah, he he never accepted the challenge. Yeah, um, that's exactly what a small brain person would do. <laughs> Cope's skull is reportedly still preserved at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, his ashes were placed at the institute with those of Joseph Leedy, while his bones were extracted and kept in a locked drawer to be studied by anatomy students. So he donated his body to the university to right. be studied. And his ashes, rather than being buried with his family, was buried with his with, professor. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a normal professor-student <laughs> relationship. Beautiful. Obviously, all your uni tutors, I'm sure you'll be buried alongside them one day. Yeah, obviously. I don't. I can't name a single uni tutor I had. Yeah, neither. No. Nah. Nah. I, can, I can picture, like, one face. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? Um, obviously, my... For centuries ago. <laughs> yeah, true. You also mostly now locked in boxes around <laughs> the, the, uh, the countries, um, their bones. So, yeah, Marsh died in 1899, a couple of years after Cope, at the age of 67, um, finally ending their feud. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know who had the bigger brain. But that is, uh, yeah, that is the story of the Bone Wars. I tried to focus on, like, the dumb stuff they did and, and kind of why. There's, like, there's a, there's more information that goes into a lot more detail about some stuff, but honestly it was really hard to follow because I'm not a paleontologist. You're and I figure you, the listener, are not a paleontologist. Oh, we should have got David Swimmer on this episode. Yes. 
Yes. We should have. Damn it. I feel like a fool. Hey, great report, Jess. I've I've heard the term the Bone Wars before, but I never knew what it was about. So yeah, it was, it was me great, either. Great I, had, to hear. I had seen it in the hat, um, but never really looked into it, but it's a bit of fun. I think I definitely pictured it to be more of a, like a traditional battle. Yes. Uh, but this is maybe more fun. Mm. Uh, so here's an article from bbc.com. It says, scientists say new dinosaur species in Australia... Uh, largest, sorry. <laughs> Scientists say new dinosaur species is largest found in Australia. Scientists in Australia have classified a new species of dinosaurs discovered in 2007 as the largest ever found on the continent. It shows how long it takes from finding to, like, getting it all together. Giving it back in the day, it seems like he discovered something, then 11 hours later, yeah. something was published about it. I imagine rules were probably written up because of the way they behaved. Yeah. The Astrolotitan. Cooperensis, or the Southern Titan, is among the 15 largest dinosaurs found worldwide. Experts said that the Titanosaur would have been up to 6.5 metres or 21 feet tall and 30 metres long, as long as a basketball court. Its skeleton was first discovered on a farm in southwest Queensland. Paleontologists had worked over the past decade to identify the dinosaur, distinguishing it from other known species by comparing scans of its bones to those of other sauropods. So there's a whole system now. Yeah. You can't just go, now I found a new one. They've got to do a decade of work making sure that it's not. That's cool. Sauropods were plant-eating dinosaurs known for their size. They had small heads, very long necks, long tails, and thick pillar-like legs. (laughs) These dinosaurs roamed the continent during the Cretaceous period about 92 to 96 million years ago. Wow. Uh, The team of researchers had nicknamed the dinosaur Cooper while working on it after the nearby Cooper Creek where it was found. Cooper Creek. Is that from Burke and Wills? I think it was. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Had they missed this? (laughs) The biggest dinosaur? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell, guys. They honestly could find it. The the dig tree was probably like just next to it. (laughs) Dig here. here. No, dig here. (laughs) Have you seen it? Does that article have an animation of what they think the dinosaur looks like? Yeah, it looks sick. How thick is that neck? (laughs) Well, that's cute. What about the the ABC's? Cute, it looks like a little Look dog. It's so Hello. smiley. Hello, how are you? They're a little plant eating. They wouldn't hurt us. Could be on a, on a kid's TV show. Hello. That's great. That's great. Real cute. A great report there, Jess. That was very interesting. Thank you. Jess, fantastic. I loved hearing about <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. I paused so you could compliment me as well. <laughs> I realised that too late. <laughs> now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show where we thank some of our fantastic uh, supporters on patreon.com slash dogoonpod and dogoonpod.com. And, yeah, these people uh, keep this show running. Because of them, we're able to do it every week, every Wednesday. For nearly 300 episodes, uh, we've put out one every week. And that's with thanks to these fantastic supporters. Honestly, without you, we can't keep it going. You keep the bloody lights on. And, more importantly, the mics on. <laughs> Do these mics need power? Yeah, without you, it is uh, just 300 weeks of two people yelling, three people, (laughs) I should say, we've just lost Jess, yelling in a room. Uh, So there's heaps of different rewards you can get on those websites uh, if you support the show, depending on the level, bonus episodes, uh, there's a Facebook group, all sorts of things, weekly newsletters, blah, blah, blah. But uh, one of the big ones is the fact, quote, or question section, which I think has a little jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ah, he always remembers the ding. That was a very good Jess impersonation. Thank you. Uh, Jess has had to run off to fight her own bone war, so she may be back. We'll see. 
And uh, the way this works is people send in a fact, a quote, or a question uh, if they're subscribed on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition level. Rest in peace. And uh, you, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. I'll, I'll read out four. Read them out for the first time on the show. Here we go. Julian Barnes, uh, whose title is I'm Hungry, <laughs> has given us a quote. And Julian's quote is... <laughs> I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. <laughs> Julian's quote is, Hey, guys. So looking forward to your upcoming live shows. Oh, when did you write this? I uh, wrote this... Six years ago. In March. Okay. So this, yeah, this is... Okay. Well, I'm glad you looked forward to those. Hopefully you enjoyed them as well. <laughs> um, the following is a quote from Terry Pratchett's book, Hatful of Sky, and it reminds me of how excited I am to get back out into the wide world soon. The quote is, Why do you go away? So that you can come back. So that you can see the place you came from with new eyes and extra colours. And the people there see you differently too. Coming back to where you started is not the same as never leaving. Ah, oh, that's really great. It's a lovely quote. It's very, very nice. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed those live shows. Yeah, hopefully you now see the world in a whole different way. because With new uh, colours. Because of our live shows. Uh, if, if you miss those live shows, um, they've already gone out in the podcast feed, but you can actually see the live shows at uh, sospresents.com. Yeah, we filmed them all. For the bigger ones. Four episodes, all with uh, little bonus bits at the end. Yeah, good fun. And there's a there's other live streams still on there from um from the past as well. So I think there's sixteen um video streams you can still um buy. And if you once you buy them you 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 know, you've got them for good. You can watch them as many times as you like. Yeah. Uh there'll be a link to that in the show notes if you're keen. Uh thank you, Julian. Next one comes from Nathan Damon from over in Perth. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, Nathan has given himself the title Logistics Manager in Charge of Transporting the Pod to Perth. <laughs> He's very keen to get us back over. And, Nathan, we would love to get there. Yes. I'm at, I'm hoping possibly before we get the podcast over there, I'm hoping that I'm going to get to do my um, festival show over there, talking to a venue over there at the moment. So um, hopefully I'll have something to tell you about that soon. Uh, anyway, Nathan uh, has given us a fact. Here is his fact. Do Go On hasn't appeared in Perth since the 3rd of November 2019. <laughs> we want you back. Oh, and also, bring back Listen Now. Oh, and love you guys. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Nathan. Listen Now, the podcast I do with my cousin Sam about classic rock albums, um, has been on a pretty long-term hiatus. We booked in a session to record a bunch of episodes, and I reckon a day later a lockdown was called. <laughs> uh, so you just too worried to put the moz on again? Yeah. we. I said to Sam... Like, by that yeah. I mean listen to another Smith's album. <laughs> yeah, the moz. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we've got the top ten to come for uh, as voted by the listeners' uh, best 80s rock albums. So we're keen to get into them. We're just nervous to book in another date because we're sure that it will bring COVID back to Melbourne. But uh, we should do that. And thanks for reminding us, Nathan. Uh, Next one comes from Paul McNally, who uh, I always say. Rand. Rand. (laughs) Rand McNally. Which is possibly why Paul has given himself the title of Not a Map. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Paul has given us a fact as well. And here is Paul's fact. Uh, okay. I've, I've made the font bigger. 
And it's made it harder to get around. All right, here we go. A group of crows is known as a murder. Crows are very intelligent, and if they find a dead crow from their group, they will analyse the remains in a group and uh, to see what happened and look for any threats to the group. Example, cats, hawks, etc. Quite literally, a murder, murder investigation. <laughs> Possible follow-up title for Dave's next book, next book perhaps. Uh, murder, murder investigation. Yeah, what was the last one? Was uh, two homicides, one victim. <laughs> Uh, written by twelve-year-old David James Warnocky. And that's uh, that's available on the on the Patreon feed. If yeah, you... that's right. We read through it. That was good fun. Uh, the episode's called "My Dave Wrote a Poirot." Because <laughs> yeah, no, it is a it's a murder mystery. Uh, uh, so Paul finishes by saying, "Hope you're all doing well, and that this is a fun slash grim fact all in one." That is great. I mean, but I also love the idea of the. I don't love the idea, but it brings me. Mirth to imagine this in cartoon form only. <laughs> Dead crow, they all gather around to see what's going on. They're like, oh, I think it might be a cat. Rawr, it's struck again. <laughs> like, you know, it's get away from the danger, guys. Man, no, no, let's not rush no, to conclusion. Could they keep getting picked <laughs> off. Yeah. All right, well, let's examine the new body. <laughs> uh, thank you. For, I can only speak for the grimness of the fact, and I will, I'll give that the grim tick of approval. <laughs> Certainly not boring. No, not boring at all. And finally, uh, from Roy Phillips who's given himself the title of the man who shouts, some sheep should sleep in a shed. Because I don't read them out until I read them out. People do sometimes try to trip me up with tongue twisters. <laughs> you nailed that. Nice try, Roy. You slid straight through it. Uh, Roy's asked a question, and here it is. Is there any topic you guys really want to report on but don't know if it's got enough legs to fill an episode or have enough, bo- uh, enough broad appeal to win a vote? Uh, hard to answer this one myself, Matt, but I've got some suggestions in Jack McFitty, so maybe that counts as my answer. Oh, good question. A few times <clears throat> I've put up the Ethiopian marathon runner, Abebe Bikila, and it's come second in the vote a couple of times. I'm keen to one day report on, on him. We've got the Olympics coming up next month, maybe. Olympic special, who knows? Oh, yeah, we did an Olympic special a while back when I, I, did, I talked about Steve Bradbury. That's right, I spoke about uh, another runner, the Czechoslovakian guy. I'm just going through, I'm just having a look in the hat, seeing some of Roy's suggestions. This one sounds fun. Harvey's Resort and Casino Bombing. Oh, I didn't get to the bombing part. Oh. Doesn't sound that fun. I'm like, Harvey's Resort and Casino. Oh. Oh, oh the, the runner was Emil Zatopek. He was the one that ran the marathon oh. for the first time and won, oh, which my- was so good. Hectic. And a Bebe Bekila story is also just as impressive. Um, I'm trying to think of other shorter ones. I definitely, I've got a list of ones that I'm like, that would be a good Patreon one that I just have saved in my phone. But So I don't know if I want to burn through them, you know, out loud with you. Here's a few other ones you suggested, uh, Battle of Gallipoli. I reckon we'll get around to that one. Mount Saint, the Mount St. Helens eruption have done. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, Genghis Khan. I'd be, That'd be a great one. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know more about Genghis Khan. Or as um, our old mate Dan Carlin says, Genghis Khan. <laughs> I'd, um, I, yeah, I don't know, mate. I think people sometimes ask for me to do one about the Saints premiership. And I think I, maybe I will one day, but, I, yeah, I'm not sure how interesting that story is. I guess I could find an angle that's interesting um, and maybe do a bit, of a, a bit of a history on the Saints, which could be maybe interesting. Yeah, that's one that's been in the back of the mind for a long time. 
Dave, you've got the opposite uh, problem with one you want to do one day, which might have to be a double episode. That's why we've talked about it before. Uh, it's one of the, f- the few ones we've spoken about because usually it is li- honestly a secret from each other. But I've said, hey, I'd love to do this topic. Yeah, well, you said, you said it to me because you're like, I call dibs on this. <laughs> and that was like two or three years I ago. Know, I know, because I want to do a two-parter. And one day, listener, you'll find out what it is, I swear. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe the Saints are the one that, I, that comes to mind first for me. Um, ones like musicians, I often think, like Nick Cave, I'd like to do a report on him. I'd love I to hear that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, also not sure how, I mean, that certainly doesn't have a super wide appeal. But it could be an interesting story, I think. Anyway, that's a good question. Thank you so much uh, for asking that one. Um, I really... Yeah, I can't speak for Jess, but I reckon hers would be something about butts. <laughs> Butt doctor. Butt doctors, yeah. Cheers, Roy. So thanks for those fact quotes and questions. Roy, Paul, Nathan and Julian. Now, if you want to get involved in that, the Sydney Scheinberg level is where you want to go. The next thing we normally do is we thank a few of our other patrons who are on the shout-out level. Jess normally comes up with a bit of a game, but she ducked out real quick. So uh, we didn't get a chance to ask her one. Do you have an idea for this, Dave? Well, I mean, they were naming dinosaurs after each other. Yes. For a little bit. So maybe something like that. Okay, I'll name a dinosaur. Okay, well, if I could kick us off, I'd love to thank from Chandler. <laughs> could they be <laughs> any more from Chandler? Surely there's got to be some sort of bingosaur. bingosaur. <laughs> from Arizona in the United States, it's Mandy Wright. <laughs> Talk to Mandy on Twitter sometimes. Mandy Wright. I reckon, yeah, the, the bingosaurus is very good. <laughs> the bingosaurus. Could it bing any more saurus? <laughs> That's good fun, uh, Mandy. I think you've got to appreciate that. Come on, I mean. Come on, Mandy. What we're working with Come here. Come on. Um, Mandy sometimes corrects me on pronunciation, so uh, hopefully I'm saying that right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Being a saurus. <laughs> I mean, we are making it <laughs> we're up. We're making so. it up. Come on. Uh, I'd also love to thank from Strath Alban in South Australia. In Australia. Catherine Clow. Catherine Clough, maybe? Clough. Sometimes, yes. I think it can go either way, this name. Uh, so or cloth even. Uh, what about the a lucky a lucky dinosaur called the three uh, the four leaf clovisaurus? <laughs> but it's spelled clophosaurus, like four leaf clophos. That's great. Yeah, you got a pun in there. <laughs> Is that a pun? I think they're all going to be pun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Catherine, and uh, your big South Australian dinosaur. That's probably the biggest one ever discovered in South Australia. That is, yeah, it's huge. Um, and I'd also love to thank from Collingwood in Victoria, not too far from where we are now, Bernard Toogood. Oh, what a name. I'm sure you get this a lot, Bernard, but is that your real name? <laughs> <laughs> Any relation to Johnny Toogood <laughs> from Shehad? Is that his real name? Or Bonnie Toogood from the Western Bulldogs. Oh, gosh. Ripper name, Bernard Toogood. Bernard Toogood, yeah. That's a great combo. What do you reckon, Dave? Don't what about uh, Bernard? Makes me think of Bernie. Makes me think of Bernie Torpin. Torpinosaurus Rex. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's good. Great lyricist. Bernie but can't Torpin. play the piano because the hands are so small. So they get their friend Elton Johnosaurus to, <laughs> to write the music to their lyrics. <laughs> Imagine a T-Rex playing piano. Not a T-Rex, a B-Rex. <laughs> B-Rex. <laughs> Because uh, we normally, we do nine, so I don't know how we're splitting them up now. I'll I'll do five and you do four? We can do four and a half. 
All right. <laughs> that sounds fair. All right. I'd also love to thank from Great Denim in Great Britain, Josh Ware. Josh Ware. Almost sounds like it's just the full Josh Ware. Joshua, Josh Ware. Josh Ware. Josh Ware. Joshua. Josh Ware. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Uh, Ware. Tupperware. Tupper. Tupper. Fresh. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Snap. Crisp. Uh, Crispasaurus. <laughs> love it. But improve on it. Well, when you're going fresh. No, no. Oh, crisp. Let's go with the crisp. Crispin Glover. Gloversaurus. Uh. Uh, what about like something like Glovodactyl or something? Glovodactyl. That Love that. Glovodactyl. Glovodactyl. <laughs> Josh Ware. I Josh mean, Ware. How do we get there? <laughs> Josh Ware flying on the Glovodactyl. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, slightly mysterious name here. Let me see if I can figure this one out. Dave, do you want to do a couple while I figure this one out? Yeah, absolutely. I would like to uh, thank from Gisborne in Victoria, Cassie Strachan. Cassie Strachan. Strachan. Strawn. Is it Strawn with a C-H? Oh, I think sometimes. Oh, maybe it is. I would not put my life Cassie on. Cassie Strawn. Especially with Mandy Wright listening in. Yeah, I know. Uh, Cassie, let's... Uh, Cassie, what am I thinking of? Cassie makes me think of... Casserole. Cass- okay, casserole, Rick roll, Rick. Astley. <laughs> Rick Astley. Uh, never going to give you up. Up. Sky. Sky. Clouds. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Doing drugs. Hello. <laughs> Hello, I'm doing drugs. <laughs> I'm doing drugs. Coke. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Uh, drink a, drink a copa. <laughs> what have they got? Yeah. Drink and a- we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Um, we're back at that though. <laughs> <laughs> we got back to the start. Hi, whatever sky. Well, no, it's a t- it's another flying one. Okay, okay. So it's, it's high in the sky, pie in the sky. Uh, Richard Griffiths, uh, <laughs> Harry Potter stepdad. <coughs> okay. Are we bad at this without Jess? <laughs> Harry Potter. I think we're just trying too hard. <laughs> um. Hi, so it's a flying one. So pterodactyl, work of pterodactyl, uh, terry toweling dactyl. <laughs> the terry toweling dactyl. Cassie, do we get there? <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Cassie. Uh, I've looked at this, seems to be the only name we have. Uh, and no address, but I would love to thank Faux Bus Driver. Faux Bus Driver. All one word, Faux Bus Driver. From an unknown location, Fortress of the Moles, presumably. I would like to say a quick uh, shout-out to our new mole overlords. Thank you so much. Well, one day we'll get, we'll get all the fossils and then we'll just keep digging. Yeah. So, I mean, with a, a bus, that's, I mean, the size of a bus. What's a dinosaur as big as a bus? Most of them, probably. Yeah. Um, what about we haven't had, like, a Triceratops? Triceratops. But, like, forget the tri. I'm thinking about what's... What's the uh, tri version of six? Double triceratops? <laughs> Double triceratops, yeah. <laughs> Uno, due, tre, quattro, cinque, sei. Ceratops. Ceratops. That's like, cool. Ceratops. Ceratops. <laughs> Ceratops. <laughs> We're having fun. Uh, Phoebe Bus Driver, the Ceratops of the dinosaur. <laughs> I would like to thank next up also, presumably from the Fortress of the Mole. Do you know Phoebe Bus Driver? 
I would like to thank, uh, we don't know the, where they're from, but it's Jen Wilson. Jen Wilson. That's a name you could set your watch to. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> means. Um, Jen Wilson. Wilson. Tennis balls. Uh, bouncy. Bouncy. What's a bouncy one? Raptor. Okay, Raptor. Um, rap. Uh, Hip-hopter. <laughs> <laughs> the hip hop is pretty the good. Hip-ho- the hip hopter. Jen Wilson, the hip hopter. <laughs> Jen Wilson, the hip hopter. Hey, take that, Jen. Hey, no bad answers here. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to also thank from Altona Meadows in Victoria. It's Daniel Armand. Armand, a little bit nutty. This oh. guy. You get the feeling, Daniel Armand. Yes, it's a great name. Uh, is it activated? That's the question. Oh, okay, activated. Um, it's uh, superfood. Superfood, uh, super Ted. Uh, when he takes off his pyjamas. <laughs> Is he just a normal Ted? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> I haven't seen Super Ted in a long time. Uh, the bag is spotty. Sidekick spotty. Spotosaurus. Spotosaurus, Spotosaurus is good. Yeah, like it's like it. a leopard. It's sort of a look. It's got leopard skin, but it looks like a diplodocus. Plotty. It's like plotty. a spotty. Spotty plotty. Spotty plotty. We spotty got there. plotty. We got there. Daniel Armand. Spotty plotty. Spotty plotty. And finally, I would like to thank from Wellington in Great Britain, it is Aaron Filler. Aaron Filler. <laughs> All killer. All killer. All killer. killer. No. Which one's kill? What's a killing one? Uh, oh, gosh. Velociraptors are always in the, in the movies. They're the ones. Yeah. Veloci. Veloci. Verwinner. Verwinner raptor. The un- that's like the the unbeatable. Uh, the unbeatable raptor. <laughs> the unbeatable raptor. Aaron Filler is an unbeatable Aaron Filler, raptor. the unbeatable raptor. Well done. Thank you so much to Aaron, Daniel, Jen, Cassie, Fee Bus Driver, Josh, Bernard, Catherine, and Mandy. And the last thing we need to do, Dave, is uh, induct some people into our Triptage Club. So if you're involved on the shout-out level for three straight years, you get inducted, you get a ticket, you're on the door, for the Triptych Club, uh, which exists in our hearts, but also in a physical location at the moment. Dave, where is it? It's always moving around. Uh, we are in Morocco. Morocco, beautiful oh, spot. Oh, my goodness. So nice. We are, uh, we're in Fez. We're in Fez. Yeah. We're all sharing one Fez. My favourite cities. Yeah. <laughs> Fez. We're all wearing one Fez. <laughs> we're in Fez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's only one this uh, week, Dave. So the way this normally works is Jess will have a little cocktail for, um, and I mean, all the other inductees are still hanging about, so uh, they can still enjoy the drink. Dave, do you want to come up with a drink this week? Oh. I'll come up with a drink. You have a, Who's the band this week? Uh, we've got an English rock band, T-Rex. Oh, T-Rex, fantastic. Very influential. Bring Mark a bit Boland. of glam. Yes. Uh, and what was one of their songs? Uh, I've got their four UK number one hits, Hot Love, Get It On. Get It On. Telegram Sam and Metal Guru. Okay, I know Get It On. Let's call it the the Get It On Teeny. (laughs) Get It On Teeny. Get It On Gin and Tonic. And it's uh, it's got gin, it's got tonic, but it's also got a secret ingredient, cream. Oh. (laughs) Get On Top, which is a Prince song. doesn't matter, but it is, there's cream on top. And it's, to be honest, pretty gross, but <laughs> it's an option, as is everything else you want at the bar. Um, so only one inductee this week, Dave. Uh, so how we normally do it is I'll, I'm standing there on the door. I've got the guest list. I'll shout out the name and location of our inductee. Dave, you'll hype them up. Hell yes. And then Jess normally hypes you up because hyping up 
takes effort. So I want to lift you up as well. Thank you. Uh, but we really just want our inductees to come in feeling good. That's right. Yeah, it's like that's like a it's a red carpet slash hall of fame induction. Yeah, all, imagine a, that. Everyone who's already in stands around and welcomes you in as well. They're yeah. clapping. Sadly, that is. I mean, the one part of work that you'll feel once you're in the club is you have to clap the next members. Yeah. It's a very positive vibe. Yeah, yeah. We're, it's all very supportive. Um, so only one inductee this week, and I believe they are from Chesterfield in Montana. M.O., Dave? Montana? Double-check that for you because I got one wrong recently. I said uh, AL for Alaska and it was Alabama. Oh, so I apologize for that. It Alabama. Is, I'm glad I checked because M.O. is Missouri. Oh, Missouri. Yeah, right, because that comes... So Montana's probably M-T or M-N. No, it would be M-T because Minnesota would be M-N. And it does not matter. All right. So from Chesterfield in Missouri. Uh, Dave, what's what's that Simpson quote you like about Missouri? <laughs> That's the flag only has 49 stars. I'll be dead in the cold, cold ground before I recognize Missouri. <laughs> from Chesterfield in Missouri in the United States, it's Benjamin Ogier or Ogier. Ogier? Ogier. Benjamin Ogier, more like Benjamin Ogier. Welcome in, Benny boy. Well done, Dave. You nailed it. Yes, thank you. Ooh, that brings us to the end of the episode. Welcome in, Ben. So nice. That's the first uh, solo inductee we've had in a while. Hell yeah. Go enjoy the music of T-Rex. Get it on. All right. Now, Dave, let's boot this baby home. Oh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Again, if you want to support the show, you can do that at any time. Patreon.com slash dogoonpod. Over 100 bonus episodes for you to instantly unlock if you support the show. And at the same time, have a great time. Well, it's win-win. I it's love win-win-win. A, love a win-win-win. And uh, you can get in contact with us anytime through our social medias at dogoonpod or dogoonpod at gmail.com. And our website, of course, dogoonpod.com. We've also got some merchandise. You want to buy a T-shirt for a loved one? Show that you love them. Or a hated one. Yeah, that's right. We don't really <laughs> sink the boots in. <laughs> hey, got you something. <laughs> huh? Here's a podcast you don't know. Get them the, get them the wrong size. Yeah, that'll show them. Great. Hey, here's an extra large. Yeah, wear it to bed. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know you're only a large. <laughs> nice. Got them. Absolutely got them. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, which I believe will be our 300th Whoa, episode. I am Sparta. Am I saying that right? Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, to sharing that. And after that, you know what? We're not even going to stop there. We're going to keep going. Whoa. 301, 302. You Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think Jess is coming back, so I'll, I'll do her normal goodbye. Uh, Dave? Team, I'll say thank you so much for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Laters. Bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.